the most beautiful thing about uh, this job in the Belgian Buddhist Union is to see how all those different traditions really fit together. Uh, when we meet, immediately we recognize something. So we often talk about uh, Buddha nature. And I, I suppose this is it. Um, it. It doesn't matter what kind of Buddhist tradition um, you are from. Uh, when we meet, immediately you can, you can feel it. Kuhn Vermulen Jinapopsnim began practicing with the Quantum School of Zen in 1992, frequently traveling from Brussels to Paris for monthly retreats. He participated in a seven-week retreat in 1995 and then a three-month kilche in 1998. In 2013, Kuhn received Inca from Zen master Wubong in Wubongsa Temple in Poland. Currently, he is the Secretary General of the Belgian Buddhist Union, which works to develop the recognition of Buddhism in Belgium, provide training programs in Buddhist philosophy and ethics, Buddhist counseling in the health sector, and with prison work. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. So Kuhn, first of all, can we just, can you please just say your name the correct way? Because I know that I said it wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. My name is Kuhn Vermeulen. There we go. I was like, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, I know that's not right. So anyways, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's just exciting to have you. I'm wondering if you can start back when you were traveling down from Brussels to Paris. Like why, you know, that must have been a couple of hours. Like why are you traveling to go do this practice like what's calling you to to get up out of your city and actually go sit retreats somewhere else um was there just there wasn't any buddhism yet in in belgium or you just didn't connect with what was there or like why were you doing that well we had a small zen center uh, in uh, in brussels okay but uh, there was no uh, teacher who could give uh, Kongan interviews. Um, and so my teacher was Zen Master Wubong. 
And the reason I went there was because a long time uh, before that, uh, my mind uh, was hit. Um, <clears throat> actually, the, uh, it started uh, probably the first time when, uh, when I was traveling in Turkey. Um, and I remember uh, after maybe one week of traveling, it was my first uh, trip that I did together with the girlfriends. So we were very, very relaxed. It was, uh, it was just wonderful. And after uh, one week of traveling, so it was really, uh, my mind was completely free. And I remember very strongly uh, one morning uh, I got, got up and uh, so I went uh, to buy some bread. Um, I was walking in a in in a, in a wide, you know, uh, environment. Uh, so the street was kind of big, but al almost nobody there. Sky was blue. Temperature was just perfect, and I was just walking, and it felt like. For the first time in my life, I really felt complete. Um, and so this was a, a, a new uh, experience. I couldn't compare it to anything else. It was not special, but it felt so good. But okay, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't relate that to anything specific, but uh, for me, that's the first time I had some ex uh, experience of meditation not moving mind. Um, then uh, later on, um, it was not such a happy time anymore. Actually, my uh, girlfriend uh, broke up with me and I, uh, so I was suffering really a lot. And uh, I started my professional career and, and that also was not going uh, so well. Um, and uh, I really felt like uh, like falling apart. Uh, at night I couldn't sleep. Um, I was really struggling a lot. And uh, after yeah, maybe one year like that, I was completely exhausted. And uh, so at that time, uh, it was summertime, and um, when I finished working in the evening, um, I was just walking in the fields near to uh, my home and uh, I was looking uh, at some point really inside because I thought I'm, I'm about to break here. So what is it? What is it that is uh, going to break? So I looked at that and then, yeah, some aha uh, experience. But I... I couldn't uh, talk about it to anybody because there was nothing to say about it. It was a bit like, you know, this, this story about Kobong. Um, Kobong, he was looking for a true teacher. And he, so he went to several monasteries and uh, he was testing the monks to see, you know, if there was... Uh, good Zen training available, available there or not. And so every time he, he made some kind of trouble and then the monks were running after him and started to, to beat him up. 
and uh, so so that happened again and so he shouted okay you can uh, hit my body but can you hit my mind and so nobody could answer there uh, so uh, finally the zen master came and uh, so uh, the zen master uh, asked how much does your mind weigh uh, so that's really a good question because yeah how much does our mind really weigh uh, at some point there was a theory that it weighed weighted uh, four uh gram is is that english gram four grams i think that'd be a pretty light mind <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed so of course it's that's really a str strange theory so you, you cannot put any weight on that you can you cannot say what color it is uh you cannot say how big it is so what is this this thing yeah, mind so when i was looking into and i was looking at, at this this thing called mind that was about to break i saw that there was nothing uh, that could break there was uh, there was even nothing not something there where suffering could go it was completely different uh, so um that really 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 hits my mind and um at that time somehow my life changed um so first of all i was as at that time i started to to look like crazy for um, a place where uh, i could find a meditation teacher finally i i found it so and the f uh, it was in the quantum school of zen um, that I arrived and um, somebody opened the door uh, there. And at the moment when uh, yeah, the door opened, at that time I knew this is what, am I, what I am going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> so it really felt like uh, coming home. And then, you know, I, I told it to my uh, teacher, Zen Master Wubong, and he said, okay, yeah, it's like that, it's like that coming home. But when uh, finally you came home, you understand that the whole world is your home. And so that's the journey uh, I'm, I'm on, and, um, the discovery of uh mind and the discovery of what am i what is this world what am i doing here so this is uh, uh the journey it is all about and so that's the reason that um, every month i went uh, to paris so you actually had this sort of kind of awakening experience prior to any study it just sort of kind of appeared for you yes actually um, i met in the meantime quite some people in our school who first had an experience mm -hmm. and then started to do meditation so that's to interesting yeah. yeah yeah so uh, this experience is not depending on on any kind of training or any kind of explanation it's interesting because we're invited to do a lot of training to find, you know, figure out who we are. What is this? 
and it and what I like about your story and I, and I, there are certain parallels with my own story it's what is this thing that it, cuz it's not easy necessarily to do meditation i mean on one level sure no problem it's easy you just sit down <laughs> on another level it's like yeah not easy you sit down cuz your mind is there and that can be a complicated thing uh what do you think it is that is really calling like appearing for us that gets us to sit down like why it's not that a ton of people are doing this. Like, why, why does this happen? Do you know? Or any, like, it's so confusing in a way. Well, first of all, uh, it's such a wonderful thing that there is to discover there. Mm-hmm. So there is really this question, what is this? Mm-hmm. What, what is this, uh, this mind? What am I? So that's uh, first point of course then as i said um i i could see in this first attainment that uh, there is really nothing um, there that um, where suffering can go um, and before starting with meditation my life was really about uh, trying to fulfill my life with um, nice experiences but that's a long struggle because uh, there is nothing you can hold on Um, this life and the good experience especially they are very fragile they are very uh, fugitive they they come and they go so it's a never uh, ending struggle to to get there and to keep it but it's like it's always uh, running away um, so with this uh, experience that um, this completely misses the point because um, what we really are um, yeah, is already complete by itself there is, you don't need any kind of external um, good things to have uh, a good life so um, this means that uh, it makes sense and to uh, uh, yeah to 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 go on this path and to try to find an answer on on suffering because indeed uh, we are living in uh, in a suffering world many people uh, struggle and so well if other people are interested in in finding an answer and are interested in our path it's really worthwhile um, to do that together. One day I was sitting in a long retreat uh, in Poland and um, I could see that every day uh, my mind was going up and down like crazy. Uh, sometimes I had a very, very good day. Sometimes I had a bad day. And um, so I after a few weeks, I, I saw this pattern. And um, one day, um, I took a wonderful shower. Uh, and um, when I got back on my cushion, I couldn't stop laughing. I was always smiling and smiling. I, I was so extremely happy. 
And then I thought by myself, this is really interesting. Um, I Here on, on this retreat, the only thing I really have is, is pain on my knees. I don't have anything else. I don't have privacy. Uh, I don't have uh, money. I don't have television. I don't have music. Uh, um, I don't have a lot of sleep. Um, so why am I, so it's interesting to see that I'm happy without any reason. So uh, I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. When I realized that, I, uh, yeah, I could see that it didn't make any sense to go after happiness. And that was the last time that I really was looking for happiness. Now happiness comes and goes by itself. So as I saw that, then I thought, okay, what am I going to do now with my life? Because I've been busy to, uh, to find interesting things, to have a good situation and so on. If this will not be my priority, what will I do? And so then I thought about uh, this story that we he- hear so many times in our school. How can I help you? At that time, it was uh, only a sentence. It was only an idea. But I thought, okay, actually, it's not a bad idea. So um, I'll try that. So that's, um, that, that, that's what I'm try, trying to do. So I try to discover uh, what I am, and um, I try to uh, to be available if somebody uh, would need my help. And so now you're a teacher, right? Which is this? Um, it's what a lovely thing to be, right? Also, kind of a bizarre, uh, like it's a an interesting space to to occupy, right? Because people come to you and they're like, Kun, like, what's ha- what's going, <laughs> you know? And it's not like you can actually do anything for them, right? But here, there, this is this relationship where people are coming and they're like, I, I need help. And I don't know if there's a, a story or that sort of really illustrated like what it means to be a teacher and like you were a student you're still a student you know forever right sure and now you have this additional space which i mean i guess it's an additional student space for <laughs> now you're a student teacher like how how do you how do you navigate that space where people are coming to you or maybe they've even had an awakening experience like you had well um i don't really see uh, myself as a teacher um the only thing i can do is uh, share uh, some experiences the usually what uh, what we are doing as students and why it is good to see uh, a teacher somebody with uh, maybe more experience than than yourself is that um, we are making up uh, something. We are, uh, so we have some, maybe some attainment or we have some experience and uh, we see, okay, this works fine. And then we try to do that again. But you, you can never 
uh, do it again. Um, it is, you cannot repeat your experience. If you want to open up this space uh, where uh, everything is complete by itself, then you have to, uh, to just be there in that moment. Um, how could I teach that to anybody? That is uh, very difficult. But um, yeah, sometimes you can you can see that people are making up something, and then you can just simply um, yeah try to point to uh, an experience that is available. So um, what is interesting. Um, in, in our school is this Kungan teaching. And um, so when I started with uh, Kungan training, at first I didn't understand anything uh, about uh, all these strange stories. Um, and so we are learned that uh, first of all, so we, we hit um, the, the grounds to cut off all thinking, to go back uh, to before thinking mind. And so I, I tried it and, and I completely uh, tried to completely be there in this hit. Uh, when I received the question, I didn't have an answer, but just when this hit happened, then some answer appeared. So um, without thinking already, our heart is resonating. So uh, trying to, to get in touch with this experience of our heart that is reflecting, our heart that is starting to, to sing this song together with, uh, of these moments, um, that is interesting. So, um, yeah, in, in uh, trying to point uh, to this moment where you've got a, where you can really can engage uh, in this experience that is interesting but um, yeah i don't know how to teach that <laughs> so we always point to don't know what is it here that we are doing now um, sky is blue cross is green by itself already if we say that sentence sky is blue cross is green we feel something. We feel that our heart is uh, opening up. And so then we can return again to this mind. Okay, put it all down. Put it all down. Go back to a, a before thinking mind. And um, be in the situation. And I was struck earlier when you said that, you know, when you were greeted at the door, you're like... I'm going to make this my life. <laughs> and you really have, like you now work as the secretary general of the Belgian Buddhist Union. You've sort of, there's a professional career for you now, sort of helping Belgian people understand, um, you know, what Buddhism has to offer. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, what that is like as a sort of a professional, <laughs> a professional Buddhist, you know? Well, first of all, Buddhism cannot offer you anything. Mm. Um, any kind of ism 
um, is already killing what it is really about. But of course, in all uh, those Buddhist uh, traditions, the real thing is kept alive. And it is wonderful to meet uh, all those people. And it is uh, really wonderful to, to help um, to, yeah, to sustain, to um, try to develop um, all those traditions. That is really nice. The most beautiful thing about uh, this job in the Belgian Buddhist Union is to see how all those different traditions really fit together. Uh, when we meet, immediately we recognize something. So we often talk about uh, Buddha nature. And I, I suppose this is it. Um, it. It doesn't matter what kind of Buddhist tradition um, you are from. Uh, when we meet, immediately you can, you can feel it. And uh, this dialogue is, uh, is really interesting. Buddhist dialogue is not always uh, perfect. Yeah, sometimes there are really uh, strong wor words and, yeah, and there are some personal fights because uh, people are, um, you know, they are, uh, it's, it's really passionate. But we are very fortunate in Belgium that um, uh, it is going really well. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's just a joy to always uh, meet uh, those people. Um, then, um, apart from the different traditions that uh, try to develop themselves in, uh, in the West, um, there are also specific needs uh, where um, Buddhist associations like the Quantum School of Zen don't always have uh, the full capacity to do it. Um, like, for example, help in uh, prisons uh, or in hospitals. And um, so not so many people are doing that. So then it, it makes sense to, um, yeah, to organize something for the people who are interested in that and, and then develop that uh, together. And, and um, yes, that, um, that's also an interesting space um, to, to be. Prison, for example. <laughs> I remember the first time I, I went to prison, it's, it's quite an experience when these big doors are closing behind you. And then when you uh, hear those uh, stories from people uh, who have lost everything, and they, so they don't have any contact or very uh, little contact with the outside world. Uh, they cannot develop their life. They are, uh, so their life is, is frozen and they have a lot of time to, to think uh, about everything that went wrong, that is going wrong. Uh, about uh, the way they are treated, uh, like children, and they, they lose all their um, independency. And um, <clears throat> then you can really see that um, practice is really helping. Uh, simply uh, sitting uh, together, doing a little uh, meditation, um, and pointing uh, to uh, this inner treasure we have, it, it is really changing uh, something. 
I, I heard before that uh, sometimes people uh, who go in prison and try to, uh, you know, to help uh, prisoners, um, there is a risk that they lose all their energy and that they come a bit cynical. But um, yeah, I actually also felt that it can be quite hard. Um, as if you only um, limit this encounter to listening to all the frustrations and uh, to, to be there to, to accept uh, all that frustration, then uh, you can lose a lot of energy. But as soon as you start with uh, the training and go in, in the heart of the Dharma, then um, yeah, energy appears by itself. Um, so it is really the Dharma that, uh, that can help people in um, difficult situations. Only listening and only being uh, available does help somehow, uh, but does not ma make a real difference. Uh, it does not help uh, people grow from that experience. Of course, there are many paths, uh, not only meditation, not only Buddhism, but for sure meditation and Buddhism is something that, that really helps. Um, so I'm, um, I am in contact with somebody who had a really tough uh, life. Um, he was in uh, special forces in, um, yeah, in, in the French, uh, in French army. And okay, he did all kinds of, uh, you know, very kind of extreme uh, things, extreme uh, experiences. So he, uh, he has an experience of life and death. And so he carries that uh, with him. Um, and then for some reasons now he's in prison since maybe, uh, maybe 20 years. And so um, there was a lot of violence in his life. Tree already from, from childhood, he had a very difficult life. And so um, when he was taken in, in prison, he actually believed that uh, the uh, army and so those special forces who can do uh, anything they like, uh, apparently, they would simply be able to take him out based on their political context. But uh, that didn't happen. So when he realized that, uh, he decided, okay, I will, I will go down to hell, but I will not go al alone. And then um, he, he actually killed some other people in prison. So he told me that uh, at that time, he didn't feel like a human being anymore. Um, he also had the um, post-stress uh, syndrome. And um, so whenever s somebody came um, as close as three meters to him, it felt like uh, they were standing only a few centimeters before him. So constantly um, he, he, uh, he felt in danger. And um, so at that time, the uh, the guardians, um, the personnel in, in the in prisons, they were they were 
uh, quite um, afraid of him. So whenever they approached him, they made sure to be with maybe three, four people because he was really trained in, in special uh, uh, techniques to, to attack people. So they had to be very careful. Um, and most of the time, at that time, he, uh, he was alone in his cell because, because they, they couldn't put him together with other people. And then someday there was a priest, an old priest, who most of his life uh, you know, was in, in uh, Congo, in Zaire. And, but then he, come, he came back to Belgium. And um, so this uh, old priest uh, sometimes visited prisoners. So he saw what was happening there and uh, he told to the, to the guardians, uh, I want to talk to this guy. And they said to him, don't do that. He will attack you and it's very dangerous. Maybe he will die. And he said, I don't care. I, um, I have to talk to him. So um, at that time, um, they said, okay, let's do it. Um, and so there were uh, five guards uh, who were standing uh, just behind the door of uh, this prison cell. And this old priest uh, came into, uh, into the cell. And then, um, so the prisoner, um, you know, he had a little smile and he thought, what's happening here? You know, and he had this idea. He told me, he had this idea, you know, maybe I can attack him. Maybe he's dead, this guy already. But he thought, yeah, this is really a strange situation. What is this old priest coming to do here? And so he didn't say anything. And then this priest, um, um, you know, took a seat and he had a book with him and he just started to read. And um, then um, this prisoner, you know, he thought, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? Well, uh, what do you want? And this priest only said, you know, if you want to talk, I, I can talk because you cannot go on like that. And somehow this really hits uh, his mind. And uh, from that moment, he decided to completely change. And so um, at that moment, yeah, he, uh, he wanted to, be to become a human being again and, uh, to com and to change his mind. So since he was raised in Japan um, in a Buddhist environment, he then uh, contacted the uh, Belgian Buddhist Union. That's the way I got in contact with him. So then later on, he started to do uh, really hard training, um, thousand bows a day at some time, night practice, a few hours sitting. And uh, yes, he, he really, really changed. So now he's still in prison and um, yeah, it's not clear when he will uh, get out. It's still uh, extremely difficult for him. But um, yeah, this, uh, um, this meditation practice really helps him. Yeah, so this, um, yeah, it's, it's really clear that uh, in very difficult situations, 
then our practice can make a difference for people's lives. So, and it's wonderful to, to be able to, uh, uh, to be part of uh, this environment, the Belgian Buddhist Union, where we, we try to develop that a little bit more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Kuhn Vermeulen, Gita Pope's name, encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for the Brussels Zen Center at quantumzen-meditatie, which is M-E-D-I-T-A-T-I-E, quantumzen-meditatie, Dot be and the Belgian Buddhist Union at Buddhism.be. And I will include the links to the Zen Center and to the Belgian Buddhist Union in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are invited to try a free month of training with the Online Sangha. To access your free month, simply visit Quantum Zen online.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I'm your host, Ian White-Marr, and I hope you'll join me again next week.